Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the, the first part of our human security series, uh, Empowering the Human Firewall. I'm Richard Jackson of Pulse Cybersecurity, and I'm joined today by Mike Clark of Empowered People Thrive. Hi. Just a little bit of biography about Mike and myself. So I'm uh, the Chief Information Security Consultant with Pulse Cybersecurity. Uh, we run these webinars quite regularly on a different, uh, different series of subjects. And I'm joined today by Mike Clark of Empowered People Thrive. Mike, welcome. Could you just give us a bit of an overview of, of who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm the founder of uh, the, the, the company Empowered People Thrive. Um, and we specialise in working with individuals and groups of people um, in our local community and in business. So across different sectors like the private and public sectors. Uh, and it's all their true potential. Fantastic. Thanks, Mike. So we're taking a bit of a different angle today. Um, we're talking about cybersecurity in, in a way that perhaps isn't too common and, and it definitely moves away from the idea of, of software or tech solutions and technical controls in order to reduce the risk of cybersecurity and, and to reduce the risk of cybercrime. Um, because we're live and we're only on for half an hour, I'd, I'd ask if, you, if you've got any questions, please use the chat function or maybe give us some reactions if you say anything that you think is, is pretty good or anything that you don't like. Um, or, or email hello at pulsecyber.co.uk and at the end of the presentation I'll also give you uh, my personal email address and Mike's so you can contact us separately if you wish because we do come at this from slightly different angles uh, and, and depending on what we say it might be Mike that you need to speak to about something or it might, might be me. So the challenge, so what, what challenge do we face with cybersecurity at the moment that maybe other people aren't talking about? From our perspective, it's all about the fact that your people are the true threat to your cybersecurity. So there's some global stats that are freely available uh, suggesting that human error is the number one cause of data breaches and data loss globally. It's responsible for 60 to 80% of all incidents. And if you then weigh in the fact that cyber crimes are costing business globally around $5.5 trillion, or euros, sorry, uh, by 2021, and that cybersecurity spending is increasingly prevalent, uh, especially on the back of, of what the, uh, the Home Secretary was talking about yesterday in relation to cybercrime and COVID-19, uh, reaching around about 157 million euros by 2022. Conversely, only about 52% of employees receive GDPR cybersecurity training on an annual basis, which it should be repeated every year, and more than 50% of businesses don't have the budget to recover from an aggressive cyber attack. In terms of how human beings affect and how in terms employees affect data breaches, these are the primary causes of how our employees will cause your business a breach. It's primarily employee error, it could be a lost or stolen device, criminal attack, specifically down to phishing or smishing, which is phishing via SMS or text message, which is becoming more prevalent, or social engineering, which we're gonna talk about separately in a different webinar further down the, the series, or less commonly a malicious insider. Kaspersky published some research last year, which is very interesting and definitely resonates and reinforces the message we're giving today. 33% um, of incidents affecting infrastructure hosted by a third party are actually caused by phishing or other social engineering techniques. And only 90% of small to medium sized enterprises, SMEs, that are experiencing breaches are saying that social engineering is part of that attack. And 90% of business data breaches in the cloud happen due to social engineering attacks which target customers employees and not because of problems caused by the cloud provider. So this definitely points to the fact that the technology is not necessarily the root cause of the breach. 
and to reinforce that message, Kaspersky is saying their number one recommendation is to raise awareness amongst your employees about cybersecurity threats that they can become victims of, specifically talking about the fact they must not click on links or open attachments in communications, etc. So it's very much a kind of continual theme we're seeing at the moment. And this is why we're going to be talking about human firewall and how you can empower that human firewall, which Mike will talk about in great depth and with great expertise. What is it? It's a commitment, keyword, of a group of employees to follow best practice to prevent and report, again, very important, any data breaches or suspicious activity. Because the human firewall isn't just about cybersecurity, it's about information security, which starts at the front door of your business. As you open the door to your office in the morning and maybe you let someone come in behind you, that's where cybersecurity or information security starts. And each individual that has this commitment should possess a good rounded understanding of the threats they might face and a good understanding of GDPR and breach procedures. So how do we empower the human firewall? That's the subject for today, that's the key. And Mike and I have broken this down into what we call five foundations of a human firewall and we're going to basically work through each one and I'm going to ask Mike for his view on each aspect of this in terms of how we can empower people to, to make this a successful project. So, so Mike, I'll bring you in at this point. We've got these five foundations, which we've discussed a few times recently. Yeah. The key, I think, is, is for, for cybersecurity to be part of the business DNA and to run through your culture. But firstly, how, how can we evolve a cybersecurity culture and how can we encourage people to, to commit to that? With any culture, to change any culture, and that's what we're really talking about, because yeah. if a lot of organisations haven't got a real clear idea of what cybersecurity is to them. Yeah. There's quite a number of things that I think they need to look at across their culture. We're not going to talk about all of those today. More than likely, we'll do a separate webinar on how those changes can be implemented in a business. Um, for me, real simple things, they need to involve everybody from top to bottom in any organization. Um, and, and a plan needs to be made because yeah. every organization is going to require different aspects what they need within it um, but definitely uh, talking to the person with the least hours with the least pay right the way through to the ceo is the only way to yeah. try to get some sort of cybersecurity culture in place sure so how how important is it that the the, the kind of ceo or the managing director is is the kind of flag bearer for for a culture of change like that uh again one of the things we'll talk about in another uh, webinar is number one thing of any culture being able to be able to evolve is senior management buying to the one on the list. Mm. If the CEO or the managers believe, I, I guess there's different ways to manage. One of the theories is, you know, you've got an inverted triangle with the point of the triangle at the base, that being, if you like, the entrepreneurial CEO. Yeah. And then the, the, the wider part of the triangle being at the top, which is where the staff are. If you've got a CEO who thinks like that, who, if you like, serves his people, then it's going to more quickly change. But if you've got the triangle, if you like, the right way up, where the CEOs or the people that drive the business are at the top, it's probably going to be a harder march. So what we're saying is, whichever way the triangle is around, this is one thing that definitely needs to happen. CEOs or senior management need to buy into this very, very, very quickly. Yeah. And really make sure they live and breathe it. Yeah. And it resonates with me, but my, but my manufacturing background in terms of lean manufacturing and the fact that you need... 80% of the business or an organization fully bought in and committed to that process to make it work. So it isn't yeah. something you can, it isn't something you can 
kind of bring into one section of a business and not in others. Uh, it has to be sort of global buying, really. So what you're talking about there really kind of fits with with that idea. So moving on slightly. So you know, it's very difficult to use the word "make" some, you know, or the phrase to make someone care. But how how can we make employees care about something like cyber security and, and why it's important? In order to get CEO to uh, want to drive the culture, to get them then to help people buy in, if you like, for a better phrase, to want to care or to make changes about how they deliver their own individual um, cybersecurity. Uh, there are lots of different ways. There's a, something called psychological contracting, which is written about a lot. You could type that into Google. You'll find people like um, Denise Rosso, who's got some really good ideas about what um, psychological contracting is with employees. Um, you know, and, and but for me, in order to really, as you say, with the statement, make your employees care about it, we need to go down a slightly different road. I believe to psychological contracting, and that's called emotional contracting. Mm. where actually what we do is we get to know um, why people tick, if you like, the way they do. So to give an example, um, you know, I'll ask you, Richard, really quickly, when you do a day's work, why is it so important to you that it's done properly and professionally? Can you give me one reason why it matters to you to do it properly? Yeah. Oh, you're actually asking me. <laughs> yeah, I am asking you. It's just, uh, well, I mean, I mean, it matters to me because it, apart from anything, it's my, my, my personal values. It's about self-respect and, and, and giving value to to Pulse as an organisation and, and to the and to the director, you know, it's a, it's a personal and professional commitment. So with that, what we've tapped into by you answering that, thank you for doing that. It, it, it basically, it, there are certain internal values. An emotional contract is now I know that of you and that actually what you want to do is, if you like, please your employer. And as you say, give them great value so mm. they feel that you are worth something to them. Yeah. You can quickly see how we could use that as a mechanism, just one of many, but to help people to start to buy into cybersecurity. Oh, because initially with any change or you asking an employee to do something new, they might be adverse to that change. They might maybe even be resistant to it to start with, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, but absolutely. if you can tie in the cybersecurity to those intrinsic motivators, then you might likely get people more readily buy into, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the key challenge here, obviously, is is the, we're making a little bit of an assumption, both of us at this stage, that the CEO or the owner of a business or a board of directors will care about data security. I mean, it should be a board level item. It should be discussed at every board meeting. It should be as important to any organisation as the health and safety of their team and their employees. Um, and currently, I'd say be pretty confident in saying that it's not for most organisations at anywhere near the top of their list. I think. Yeah. With the impact of home working and COVID-19, I think it will rise up that list very quickly mm -hmm. in terms of the responsibilities around cybersecurity and the fact that people are home working in an insecure environment in the most in the most instances. Mm. But I do think there's a massive challenge, but I think that maybe over the next couple of years, three to five years perhaps, we'll start to see cybersecurity being part of that culture and, and, and a fixed expectation on business, if you like. Um, mm. for all businesses so in, I mean that's gradual so and I think that the next set you know number three building awareness and knowledge is a kind of gradual investment as well isn't it in terms of I mean if you if, if you've got that you know you're you're a management trainer you know, I've worked with you on and off for many years you're mm. you know superb at what you do you have a unique approach but when you go into an organization to to build awareness and knowledge what kind of what's the best approach for that 
the, the biggest thing really i think is as you did it re really sort of early doors with this presentation is give people stats stats mm -hmm. from reliable sources about yeah. what's happening undeniably the unprecedented times that we face right now are making people if they weren't already aware of the stats that you've just found and shared they're making themselves increasingly aware that actually there's a real need because everybody's online now yeah um all of our transactions are going to be carried out like we're doing today using our mobile phones using email and i would imagine that um you know staff all the time are coming across examples of if you like breaches of security or issues with it but not having anybody to talk to because it's the unspoken subject so yeah. building awareness yeah. is that itself yeah so you know okay. um thought boxes people throwing in their ideas uh, yeah. getting every everybody together and saying this is what we're going to look at collectively as a group yeah. uh, getting chat groups together maybe getting a, a meeting going where you've got one member of staff representative of each department and get them in a room yeah and you know yeah. it's, it really is at base level it's getting down to brass tacks and finding out how do we do it yeah and are we okay. doing it properly yeah number four is, is one that i was really looking forward to talking to you about because what we need you know for the, for the human firewall to work you need to be confident that without getting into hierarchy within an organization but there is hierarchy within every organization that the mm -hmm. the people at that you know at the the lower end of the hierarchy of an organization feel confident enough to challenge the top so for instance if uh, if someone who's like an administrator you know entry level or even an apprentice within an organization comes across some bad practice by a board member or a senior manager that for this firewall to work, you need to feel confident that they will feel empowered to be able to put a hand up and say, hey, you know what, that, that's not the right, right way to do that. And, and how can we maybe get to that point where, where someone feels comfortable and confident that they can do that without fear of retribution? Several sort of ideas pop into my head all at once. I suppose the first thing is, is in order for confidence to be developed, there's um, you know, some sort of, uh, decision-making processes that we can sort of look at again that can be a, possibly a, you know a separate webinar another day yeah. um, but there's certainly a couple of ideas that would really help us to have the right approach to it it's like having um, uh, I call them a digital champion when I did a project recently with a local organization they called the people that were aware of this type of thing digital champions so they had a, a love or a passion already a need and interest were almost on the same page as the CEOs when it was brought to the table, which yeah. I think surprised the CEOs. Um, I think stripping away rank and actually the CEOs advocating that, that in fact, you know, this isn't about my role, you know, on 50,000 pound a year, it's yours at, you know, your minimum wage or your national minimum living wage to be raising these things. But it has to be seen to be followed through because I think a lot of staff are used to CEOs going, we're all on the same playing field. Yeah. Um, and then the rules aren't the same and they're not applied the same. So very much it would have to be like an, a, an ethic in the company, lived and breathed. Yeah. And if you like, the staff see it happen, if that yeah, makes sure. sense. I'll give you an example. I once used to work for a very big um, fast food company called McDonald's many years ago as a senior manager. It always used to make me smile when I walked into a restaurant and see that all the staff had their hairnets on and their hats on and washed their hands every half an hour, but the managers, mysteriously, their hair never fell out. They didn't wear many <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's that kind of thing of going, well, actually, no, we all need to wear them. I used to say that to them. You can see I'm follically challenged, so I really didn't have a problem <laughs> having to wear hairnets, but I still used to wear a cap 
And yeah. the reason I wore a cap was to set an example. And that's kind of what it's about. It's letting people see you're doing the same things, if that yeah. makes sense. What goes on? Um, only... Yeah, sorry, Mike, carry on. No, no, I was going to say, I think, I think confidence can only be built. When we get older, we get very uh, suspicious and sceptical, I think, of the people around us, especially mm. our management team. Uh, because it is them and us often is the case it's the way we're schooled in our society so we take it into the workplace and it continues and I think the confidence to really be if you like grown in adults there has to be um, if you like when you do the training I, I did this recently with an organization the CEO was in the room with the people that work part-time and everybody was treated the same and yeah. everybody learned the same so when the CEO got an answer wrong, it wasn't an opportunity for all, for all of us to laugh and gossip behind their back. It was to help strengthen their understanding of something they didn't know. Yeah. And that you do it together. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. So I briefly mentioned uh, the, the, the concept of someone arriving at the front door of their building and someone's behind them mm -hmm. that they might not re necessarily recognise. We talked about this last week, the, you know, the kind of the fact that we have judgment and we have internal systems that that tell us that someone's okay and, and that someone's not okay. And this is the same, I think it's the same logic, you might correct me, that we apply when we get an email or an SMS and we decide, yes, it looks yeah. safe or no, it's not safe. Um, but So we're gonna talk about trust in a separate webinar, but could we just briefly touch on trust? What goes through someone's mind, someone's mind in that kind of situation that would help them to decide that they can trust that individual as opposed to somebody else they think they're suspicious of? So just to sort of set a scene to help us sort of get sort of get to the point um there's a you know a thing known as confidence tricksters i guess so uh, if someone dresses like they work for british gas and they have the id badge and the tool belt and uh you know the the clipboard or the ipad in their hand and they knock on your door they're more likely to gain entry yeah and but to but only to a certain generation does that make sense the younger generation yeah. i guess yeah. you could turn around and say we're more aware of that threat would possibly do more checks Mm. So I'm not suggesting for a second that the thinking needs to be this is a generational thing. This is about a lack of knowledge, and that can be any age. Yeah. Because I've met people as young, young people that don't use Facebook as much as I've used older people that use yeah. Facebook yeah. or don't use Facebook. So there's this thing of stripping away the fact that, and, and another way to build awareness, and another way to gain confidence, I think, in people, is to say that you know you don't have to be an age or a race or an ethnic minority or agenda to not understand what cyber security is and we shouldn't be abashed to say we don't know yeah and and to grow it for sure yeah. you know to grow that sort of thinking if you like yeah i mean you touched on it there in terms of because the for instance the phishing emails that are coming in these days are of such a high quality the i think you have to take that default opposite to what we apply in a court of law where innocent until proven guilty i think now with regards to phishing and, and smishing it's guilty and proven until proven innocent because everything looks so good and I think it's uh, this is why we're going to talk about trust in the way that we do and the fact that trust sucks, to be honest, and, it, and it's, it's trust that cyber criminals rely on and that human strength of trust and lack of cynicism that's causing the, the stats to be so high, particularly with, with the prevalence of COVID-19 and the, the kind of phishing attacks that are coming in at the minute where they're encouraging you to click to buy PPE or mm -hmm. um, you know, we're talking at the minute about obviously in different countries the introduction of apps tracing apps to tell you when you come into proximity with someone who has covid19 this you know it's well intended but that's a massive green light to cyber criminals because everything is hackable everything is vulnerable in its own way um i guess the fear is that the people are going to 
they're going to be fished and they're going to click on this because they're being told they've come into proximity and, and some of the some of the fake websites and domains that have been created for instance represent the world health organization who so it's very difficult to be confident that what you're getting isn't real um so you know all of that one to four kind of covers it in great depth the kind of threat and i know we're kind of we're racing through my company because it's like half an hour you, you, you can't touch the sides on the subject like this in 30 minutes but I wanted to add just a couple of things because you said what goes through the mind of someone. I'm not sure I quite answered it as well as I could have done. And while you were talking, it made me think of a couple of other things. If you can imagine the human brain responds to the stimulus of all of our senses. So to give an example, just simply walking from one end of your room to another, there are so many, if you like, pieces of information or data. They reckon over 11 million pieces of data per second. Hit our, hits our brain, we wouldn't put one foot in front of the other if we had to analyze every single bit of data. So our brain, it would be like a sensory overload. Yeah. Okay. If you take that, and that's known as, just so you know, so when we walk across the room and we take it for granted that we're not going to bump into the coffee table and we know the color of you know the wall that we've painted, we take all that for granted to be able to navigate our way, say, from the front of the kitchen to the back door. And we take that for granted. What that's known as, it's known as heuristic. I'm going to try and say it properly. <laughs> heuristic. It's, it's known as heuristic thinking. It's where what our brain does is, is it goes, well, that's a wall, that's a floor, that's a carpet, that's a door, that's a distance. And we don't think about what we're doing consciously. It's all subconsciously done. And yeah. to go back to that question you asked, if you take that thinking one step further, the reason that, as I said, you said, we have to be very careful about what is fishing, what is smishing, is because we are heuristically looking or thinking when we open up our emails when possibly what we need to be doing is thinking, thinking critically and yeah. critically are those clues that you're saying that would actually help you to identify something that isn't actually what it first appears to be yeah and it's a kind of a a, a, a way of helping if you like your colleagues to understand that heuristically you open up your email and you click away and you don't think about what you're doing you've done it a million times and your brain is patching in those bits of information so that your senses don't have to do all the work otherwise yeah. it would be an overload that sure. make sense? yeah fantastic yeah because uh, i mean it links into um number five measuring and monitoring performance so something that we can do that is actually from a technical perspective is, is to create uh dummy phishing attacks on the organization just to see who clicks because obviously you can measure that and you, yeah. you can get some performance metrics to, to to maybe test the strength of your human firewall um and then obviously anybody who do, does click on those those uh, those dummy phishing emails you can you can talk that as a team or as a, as a human firewall team and and if the, if the, the culture of the organization has evolved as it should that should be an open comfortable conversation for everyone to have and, and if they truly feel part of it that's all part of the of the improvement isn't it is to say well actually you know what we've got some some kpis in place we're measuring performance um we're pretty good but actually we could be a bit better and that should be openly displayed around the organization on project walls um you know it's, it's a subject that i'm passionate about your understanding of how human beings tick and you know the explanation you gave there is just incredible because i don't think that people are considering cybersecurity in this way it is all about maybe buying software or it's buying technical solutions and i yeah. and i think what we're proving through the conversation today and the kind of stats that we're looking at is that, yes. that the key to this actually is with people and the key to it is with this education um that isn't always a popular view because people who are trying to sell software no. solutions that's not really what they want people to hear but it's mm -hmm. it's the truth you know mm -hmm. if, if you've got an educated team and you've got a strong human firewall you're 
the chances mm -hmm. of your cybersecurity risk going down are, are immense. You know, you're reducing that risk on a constant basis. So, so definitely measure and monitor performance and maybe, you know, obviously the, the standard stuff like the human firewall, I would, I would refer to it as team, but actually the human firewall in a perfect scenario it would be 100% of your, of your workforce, wouldn't it? It would be everybody okay. fully be committed. And I guess in organizations, in any sense that, that successfully get that team buy-in would be when you go back to, when you talked about incentivizing, Mike, is that they do feel that they're part of, you know, they own the organization and they own the responsibility and the well, accountability is there. Um, you know, you, where you have instances like um, employee owned businesses, stuff like that. So this is, mm. you know, we're not suggesting we go that far, but that's, that's what you need, I think, to, to achieve it. So, so we've, we've raced through at quite a pace. Yeah, I mean, just, um, just one thing. Well, yeah. Can I add just one thing before you sort of? Of course, of, you can. Just, yeah. This number number five, measure and monitor. You see, the the thing is, is that there's a blame culture in our society, and when you go to yeah. work, if we're talking about education, if we're talking about awareness, if you gave you gave a really good example of where you set up a dem, a dummy fish mm. to see who clicks, the only way that would work, and this is one of the things. Go back to number one that would need to be part of the cultural involvement of your cybersecurity is when anybody learns we feel vulnerable yeah and so when we feel vulnerable we're less likely to be freely giving information you know go back to the days when you were in school you put your hand up and got the wrong answer and you got harangued by your peers yeah there is a big big deal to do with it and so you would have to help to remove that by if you like removing the blame game now an entrepreneur that has the inverted triangle that we first spoke about would see if you like somebody clicking on an email that was a dummy one just to test the results as a way to learn rather than it be a problem. Yeah. 100%. Does that make sense? And that's yeah, one way to 100%. help and, and make sure that the human behavior is, if you're going to measure and monitor the blameless element of it needs to be a massive part of it because people will not participate otherwise yeah. as well as they should do. Completely yeah. agree. Yeah. 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 Fan fantastic advice. And so we're, we're coming to the end. We've, we've got a couple of questions that have come in. Um, so a couple of them we've, we've covered, but there's one that stands out and, it, and it's a very simple question. It's only four, four words. What makes people care, Mike? Um, crikey, let me think very quickly to answer <laughs> this really quickly. I know, think, what I want you to do is I want you to, uh, I want you to think about, this is to anybody that's listening, you don't have to answer me, but just think about it. In your head, we all went to school, we've all been educated. Think of the, your most favorite tutor. Mine was a physics guy called Woodcock, all right? We went in a room, we didn't want to be there, and we were probably the worst reprobates in the school, but this guy somehow connected into us by uh, giving us ownership of the lesson. We were allowed to steer it, we were a part of it. Nobody who gave a wrong answer was ever harangued, it was never allowed, it was all a way of learning. Um, because we shared and learned together and there was trust and we could call him Peter and not by his second name, they developed, they developed this rapport where actually what happened was is that we all started to perform in our mocks at CSE level just because of this guy's behaviour. So for me, number one tip, the only tip, the only way people are going to care is if the management team or the CEOs are going to have that kind of relationship. And it really is about people. This whole thing that we've been doing today is about people. If you've got a manager that has got to know their staff, understands how they works and can be seen to be real and be human and be on a level, 
people are more likely to want to care about what it is that they're doing. Ownership yeah. is is one of the many ways. Again, you know, we've run out of time. There's so much we could talk about. Yeah. But certainly making people care, you can't force them, can you? No, that's the key. Yeah. You've got people have got to want to do it. Yeah, absolutely agree. So okay, so yeah, we're like with like Mike said, we're virtually at the end, we've got a couple of minutes. So um just like to draw your attention to uh, the next two in our May webinar series, these are these link very closely to what Mike and I have been talking about today. May the 11th, we're going to be talking about specifically about social engineering and triggers and how that works and how we, how easily we're social engineered and the fact that we're being socially engineered all of the time, every day, um, and you know that, that that kind of the marketing, sales, that environment. But obviously, specifically, we're going to be talking about about uh, cyber security, cyber crime, and how people socially engineer us. And then on May the 18th, I'm really looking forward to this one, Trust Nobody, How to Beat Cyber Criminals. So, so Mike and I are going to be talking about trust, why we, why we trust, how trust is built, and how that trust is being used against us, and why cyber criminals rely so heavily on human trust in order to profit and to, and to, to escalate what they're doing as they're doing at the moment. Um, phishing emails in February were up by 600%. Google's announcing statistics uh, in mid-April, 18 million phishing emails every day relating to COVID-19, tens of thousands of, of domains, email and websites set up specifically around uh, COVID-19, all fake and designed to do harm. So uh, if you want to speak to Mike or I uh, or myself separately, these are our, our individual email addresses. We'd be both delighted to, to to get emails and questions or comments from you uh, and also as, as uh, Mike's asked me to mention which is really important that yes we've got this May series set up but we'd really like your ideas and, and requests uh, in relation to, to what you'd like us to talk about and, and maybe other people can join in in this debate with us so that we've got different aspects of, of, uh, of contribution maybe it might not just be Mike and myself it may be one of you that would like to join the, con the, the conversation which would be amazing um, so we don't have all the answers and we don't have all the questions, but it's definitely something I think that we're going to start seeing more and more reinforced is, is the human element of, uh, of cyber security. Questions or comments in general about the subject, uh, you can see on the screen you've got contacts there. Turn that away. Uh, hello at PulseCyber.co.uk, website is www.pulsecyber.co.uk. You can even phone me on my mobile 07368443343 if you've got a data protection question or follow us on Twitter at Pulse CyberSec. Mike, thanks for today. It's been amazing. Thank you, mate. Thank um, you. And we'll see you on the 11th of May for the next one. Cheers. Absolutely. See you then. Bye now.